0: this is dollars and change a podcast about the intersection of business and social impact brought to you by the wharton social impact initiative hello i'm your host sandy marrow hunt managing director here at the wharton social impact initiative i'm delighted to be with our guests today ellen halley and Susanna hamilton this is dollars and change where we talk about the intersection of business and impact and perhaps more than ever before in my lifetime business and impact are intertwined. The coronavirus pandemic has impacted more lives, businesses and industries than we can count. Um, But at a time like this, I like to take advice from Mr. Rogers' mom, who says, look for the helpers. You will always find people who are helping. Some of the bright spots in the season of change and challenge are indeed the helpers. So I want to first thank everyone who's doing their part, first responders, medical teams, hospital staff, grocery clerks, shipping and delivery teams, folks checking in on elderly relatives, teachers going the extra mile to educate remotely here at Penn and Wharton and beyond, and everyone following the recommendations to stay home and stay safe as much as possible to keep the impact of this pandemic as low as possible. Today, I have the pleasure of talking to some Wharton students who have found a way to put their business school skills to use to be helpers. On the line with me, I have Ellen Halley and Susanna Hamilton. Welcome, Ellen. Thank you. And Susanna.
1: Thanks. Happy to be here. Thanks for having us. My,
0: It's our pleasure. So along with some fellow Wharton class of 20 classmates, you guys have, as of last week, launched the Philadelphia branch of a nonprofit called Off Their Plate. Susanna, what is Off Their Plate?
1: Yeah, so Off Their Plate started a little more than five weeks ago in Boston and has since scaled to uh, eight other cities across the country. And our primary goal really is to provide economic relief to local restaurants and their staff, while also providing nutritious meals to frontline healthcare workers, to everyone from physicians to custodial staff. Um, And we really think of these as the two front lines of the coronavirus pandemic. Absolutely. So small businesses and healthcare professionals and others
0: working in the medical field. What does the actual model look like? Take us through a um, sort of a visual of, you know, how you get money in, what you do with it, and what the impact is.
2: So um, the way the model works is that we fundraise. The idea is that this is not going to be a sustainable business enterprise in the long term, but rather something we can do until it's no longer needed. Um, We fundraise and uh, use that, 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 those finances to purchase meals, um, gratitude meals, that we then deliver to local hospitals. Um, the, the way the sort of economics break down is that for every $10 donated, five of that goes towards restoring wages. So we have a big emphasis on working with restaurants that are um, wanting to get their their shift workers back on the floor. Um, and ensuring that um, that money goes to that purpose. And so the meals are about $10 each, and the restaurants are able to design them within those, those constraints. Um, and that is, that's a little bit about kind of how the, the money comes in and goes out. I think, you know, there's a lot more to it when it comes to community engagement. On the fundraising side, there's obviously grassroots efforts. There's efforts to engage, you know, folks, folks from the business community, um, and we are just getting getting up and running in our second week of deliveries. Now we are delivering 900 meals this week.
0: Wonderful. So, Ellen, let me pause before we dig too much into the business model to understand the state of the problem. So. The coronavirus pandemic looks different from city to city right now, and it's changing week to week, if not day to day. What is What does COVID look like in Philly right now? What does it look like for small businesses? What does it look like for
2: healthcare institutions? So Philadelphia so far has done a pretty good job in managing the virus, but we've still seen nearly 10,000 cases. Close to 400 people have died. Um, and if you look at the infection rate, what you see today is what looks to be a leveling of the curve, which is amazing. But Uh, Mayor Kenney spoke last week about his concern of a second spike if distancing measures are relaxed too quickly. And when you listen to health experts, they talk about the importance of ramping up testing to ensure that we can get a clear read on the state of the health crisis, establish effective contact tracing protocols, not just slow the spread but, but stop it altogether, and at the same time obviously across the country you're looking at probably a year until a vaccine could be ready for widespread use. So you know, we know and regrettably say that coronavirus is here for the foreseeable future. And most, you know, countries are just beginning to test the waters when it comes to reopening, and we don't really have clear models for that yet. I think in Philly, we also have to think about the demographics of the city. Um, we're the largest American city without a public hospital, and one in four Philadelphians has an income below the poverty line. So we have to think about how how the virus is disproportionately affecting communities um, that are less privileged than, than ours maybe. Um, so for us, we feel like it's important to stay here on the ground for the foreseeable future. Um, and we're, we're keeping close track of kind of the curves and and the, trying to deliver meals in accordance with, with that. Thank you. Ellen, what does it look
0: like to be one of these workers um, in hospital, be it custodial staff, infectious disease specialist, um, that you're helping to deliver these meals to. Give us a little bit of a picture of, of why these meals matter so much. So I think when
2: you first start to explain the model, you know, the meals kind of seem like a nice-to-have, right? Like they're the other side of the front line, and, and mm-hmm. really the, the impetus for starting off their plate was to bring restaurant workers back, back online. Um, and kind of save the restaurant industry. I think when you really break down where people are from an emotional perspective in in the hospitals, especially when you look at, certainly when you look at physicians, obviously they're on the front lines, obviously a lot of these um, health systems are being overburdened, they're opening COVID floors, folks that wouldn't necessarily be kind of in an at-risk situation are at risk. And then I think one thing that's very important about Off Their Plate and the model, that we espouse is that we want to make sure that we're serving the frontline workers that aren't necessarily as visible. So obviously doctors and nurses, um, but we also are looking at a lot of our meals going towards custodial staff, environmental services, security, um, you know, folks that might not be from a pay scale perspective um, making as much money during this crisis, uh, yet they are certainly doing their part in the fight. Actually, I think, The Inquirer had an article the other day about hospital um, custodial workers and kind of the emotional impact of the of the disease on them and you know a lot of them are on public assistance right and and still they're they're having to gear up and go to hospitals and um, clean up effectively what this what this virus has done Um, and so we are certainly passionate about ensuring that the meals Um, don't just go to doctors, but also go to to kind of the folks that we don't see as much as being on the front lines, but are certainly very, very affected, and from an emotional perspective as well. You add in all the layers of caring for a family, of coming home to your family and needing to, being worried about transmitting it, potentially living with folks that have um, comorbidities and and are higher risk. So we want to think about that. And, uh, you know, I think For me personally as I've gotten more involved I've certainly been able to see the impact on both sides which is very compelling. Absolutely and I'm curious to know as
0: you know Wharton business students there were there are a number of ways you could have chosen to get involved you can donate you can volunteer for a number of different causes Um, but you felt the inspiration and drive to launch you know this branch of Off Their Plate Ellen, can you tell us a little bit why this you know, particular um, approach to being a helper during the COVID pandemic resonated with you? So most
2: people that you talk to want to get involved in some way. It's very hard to know how to do that, um, aside from making financial contributions, which of course is something that we rely on. However, I think that the model is very compelling in that it allows us to really use our, our business school skills and, and kind of networks. I don't know if, Suze, if you want to elaborate a little bit on um, how we've been able to bring Wharton into this. Suze is leading an awesome group of, of Wharton students who are helping on the fundraising side. So she might be better suited to speak to this particular Tell us question. more,
1: Susanna. Sounds yeah, great. and I have to give credit to WD. 21 as well, so we've got folks from both classes um, that have really jumped in and are eager to help. And then, and, and it's just been very exciting to apply so much of what we've learned to to this work that we're really passionate about. It, like, in a matter of days, the pace has been super fast, obviously, for all of us to be getting this up and running. So we've been building our team, bringing people together, and really implementing practices that we learned back in, in preterm. So most of us, even though we're classmates, a lot of us didn't know each other beforehand, um, and we're also working with folks outside of the Wharton network. How did you find each other if you didn't already know all know each other? I'm curious
0: how this sort of group of uh, passionate students came together around this topic. If if you weren't already you know, a friend group or, or connected in some other way.
1: Yeah. So a couple of us, Ellen and I, for example, both heard about it through separate avenues of folks we knew in other cities from our other schools and, and old coworkers. So we kind of heard about it and got brought together and then we, um, in the early days, and then we really blasted our work networks, posting on Slack channels, WhatsApps, and just spread the word about the organization and also sort of did a call to action for anyone else looking to get involved. And it's been really exciting to see people's support, both in terms of volunteering and we've had student clubs say, like, how can I help fundraise for you guys and We've talked to school administrators about ways that we can be tapping more into the Wharton Network. So it's been cool to see the network sort of in action throughout all of this. Fabulous. And, and you touched a little bit on the skills you had learned
0: from preterm through your classes, you know, kind of being put to work here. Susanna, can you tell us a little bit more about some of the specifics? This is a, uh, a, a real life case study for how to yeah. put those um, business school skills to use and quickly. So tell us more
1: about some of them uh, in particular. Definitely. So um, I, I think we've really had to lean on the principles we've learned around establishing trust on teams and building rapport And then also thinking about how do we facilitate information sharing. Um, From our very first case study in in Management 610, we were challenged with making sure, realizing how difficult it is to make sure all the information gets surfaced on a team. So we've had to think about tools and sort of group norms to establish so we ensure that we're being efficient and bringing everyone's sort of unique skill sets to the table. And then the second piece is really us thinking personally about how we motivate people and really effectively I guess, mobilize our team around this cause. So it's really just all of our management learnings into one, in one big challenge, and I don't think we'd be able to have done as good a job sort of mobilizing without those skills that we've learned in the past two years. Fabulous. So, Ellen, let's turn to you to talk a little bit. We, we explored the sort of
0: hospital need. Um, let's talk about the restaurant scene. What do we know about – you know how COVID in Philadelphia is impacting restaurants, and how did you guys go about selecting the restaurants that you were going to work with to implement this program?
2: Sure. So the National Restaurant Association released a survey that showed 8 million restaurant workers have been laid off or furloughed since the beginning of March, which is two-thirds of the industry workforce. Philadelphia restaurants are obviously a huge point of pride for the city, and it's Also a massive anchor for our economy. Over 10% of of, um, folks that are employed are, are in the space. And more than one in five businesses are connected to the food industry in some way, are part of the sort of food economy. And as we're seeing across the country, restaurants in Philadelphia have been hit very hard. And even for the ones that have managed to stay open and pivot to kind of take out or different innovative models the revenue is is barely enough to cover the cost of of operating and they haven't been able to bring all their staff back. So we focus on forming deep partnerships with a small group of restaurants to ensure that we're maximizing our economic impact. As I mentioned before, each of our partners commits that 50% of our donations goes to workers in the form of of wage reinstatement mostly. And in conjunction with industry experts, we're also helping to create CDC-informed health and sanitation guidelines to protect their staff and the population that we aim to serve. So we're asking that all restaurants use thermometers, limit the number of people in the kitchen, that employees don't take public transportation. And while restaurant kitchen standards are already much higher than home kitchens, COVID has really presented new problems that everyone is, is sort of dealing with. So we wanna be able to help our restaurant partners navigate these challenges. And in Philly specifically, we have some awesome team members who actually come from the restaurant industry, so are able to leverage their skill sets there. And we feel super lucky to have them on board. As of now, we have five restaurant partners today, all of which are really leaders in the community. So, Biology, Cafe Nez, El Mercury, Kalaya, and Hardena. All of them are serving, as of this week, about 150 to 200 meals a week. They're doing the deliveries themselves, so certainly they are socially minded and want to get involved. We also had a feature in Eater Philly the other day and, and got a lot of inbound requests, actually, from restaurants on how, how they can help and get involved. Of course, we have to balance that with the, the ability to really scale up on the fundraising side. But we've heard from our partners how these additional meals really provide meaningful economic support for their staff and also give them a sense of pride at being able to serve the healthcare community. Philly's definitely a food city and we're super proud to be able to support one of the industries that makes Philly so special.
0: Great, and I have to say I'm particularly thrilled to see Wharton students so engaged in helping Philly. You know, you're here for a couple years for your education, um, and it's fantastic to see that the the roots have grown already, and that the commitment to you know finding a way to be a helper through this COVID pandemic. Um, is one where you've chosen to help out here in Philly. So let's talk as we come to the end of our segment about how folks can get involved. You mentioned at the top of the call, this is a donor supported program. This is not a sustainable business with its own revenue stream. And that makes total sense for for what it is right now and what we need right now. Who are you seeing donate? How are you seeing folks navigate where to make these sort of financial contributions in COVID and who's been most attracted to giving to you
1: guys? So I think at a very basic level, there's a real sense of urgency, I think, among a wide group of people to be doing something. And we're getting really Mm -hmm. an outpouring of support from people trying to figure out how they can help. And so to answer that question, for us, we get questions from a lot of potential donors similar to what you've asked today. So they want to know who we're serving. Have we thought about how to make our model work as well as we can? Does the work really make a difference? And we feel confident we can say yes resoundedly to all of those questions. And I think it helps that at the grassroots level, the basic premise of our organization is is so intuitive. So economic relief to workers who are vulnerable and sustenance for people healing the sick. And the most more sophisticated donors, I guess, really want to also know that we whether we can execute. So can we turn dollars into deliveries and, and can we scale it? And I will say that fundraising at a time like this is really an interesting challenge because there are so many groups doing truly incredible work, Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot to be thinking about. But we've found success with donors who who appreciate the elegance and, I guess, simplicity of our model. So a dollar is doing sort of double the work when you give to Off Their Plate because it's helping both front lines. And because we're so focused on our restaurant partners, And work with a smaller number we're able to deliver the meals for more money than a lot of other organizations because we have our ten dollar a meal target so i guess in some we're seeing donors really be attracted to the to the model because we're efficient we're grassroots and we're entrepreneurial and that's resonated with a pretty wide swath of of folks in the philly area
0: so if someone's listening to this and they want to get involved and donate to you or explore Off Their Plate in their
1: city, how do they learn more? How do they get involved? We are looking for as much help as we can get. We'd love at a basic level for you to spread the word about our work, talk to friends, tell family, and really just continue to get the word out about what we're doing. You can go to offtheirplate.org and learn more about the national organization. Within that, you can select which city you want to support. So whether that's Philadelphia or one of our other cities around the country you can give, and that's what keeps the whole operation running. But we're also really open to conversations around partnerships or ideas that people might have for other ways that we can be scaling our impact in Philadelphia. So it's all very fast paced, and we're, we're looking to hear from people who have who have great ideas as well. And we just really encourage everyone, I know it can be overwhelming to figure out how you can help and what's the most efficient use of your time or your money, and it can be almost paralyzing. Um, mm-hmm. But our, our big push is really just to encourage people to, to take a leap. There's a lot of great organizations working on COVID relief efforts, and we hope you'll support ours. But really, it's it's just been inspiring to see people get out there and put their efforts towards some cause that, that matters and makes a difference. So we'd encourage everyone to, to jump in. Wonderful. Last question to each of you as we wrap up the
0: segment today you are effectively small organizations, small business owners that have sprung up over the last six weeks to address a incredibly um, intense, slightly unexpected, um, you know, social pandemic. What has been the most surprising thing to you about this work? Susanna, let's start with you and then go to Ellen. What has been the thing that has surprised you most?
1: I think for me, it's honestly been... The potential and the speed at which people who are motivated and care about a cause can really scale impact. Like, all of this is in the span, we're talking of a month, of an organization that's now raised two and a half million dollars. And to see people who are also holding down day jobs or our classmates are still taking classes be able to find the energy and the resourcefulness to put all this together so quickly is. It's pretty inspiring for the impact we can have now, and also just thinking how we can continue to take this momentum and really leverage the power we all have at our fingertips to continue to do good even beyond the current world we're living in now.
2: Excellent, Ellen, and you. Yeah, Suzanne, really said you know what I what I was thinking, but I guess the second thing that I will mention is the sort of willingness to help that that so many people have, which I think is just a, a really resounding affirmation of of kind of how good most people are and the fact that a lot of people want to get involved. And I think figuring out how to do that in a very creative way. So the national organization has secured funding from a range of institutions ranging from kind of the most traditional financial institutions like John Hancock down to kind of Tito's Vodka and Bumble. And we're having a charity concert that's being put on by the lead singer of the Goo Goo Dolls on Instagram. And even in our conversations in Philadelphia, we're really thinking about how people can creatively get involved. So for pro sports teams, can they auction off on somebody's Instagram a workout with a star? What are different ways that we can really engage individuals? So just the enthusiasm around, around the cause is certainly heartening, but I think it's been really interesting to see how people are thinking outside of the box on how to raise money for this organization. So that's been really a lot of fun to be part of and motivating to see, like Susanna said, just the, the speed at which an organization like this can pop up and, and be effective.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you both so much for your time today and telling us about this work. And I want to thank you on behalf of the entire Wharton community for making this a priority and taking your time beyond your classes, beyond your getting prepped for for jobs and post-Wharton life to make the commitment to this work and to really assist both the restaurant community and the healthcare community in Philadelphia. Thank you, Sandy. Thanks for sharing our story. A reminder that you can learn more at offtheirplate.org. Please be sure to check it out and see how you can help. Dollars and Change is brought to you by the Wharton Social Impact Initiative. To learn more, visit us at socialimpact.wharton.upenn.edu.